I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alenios Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Alenios Podcast. I'm Smith. And I'm Marcus. And Seth is currently not with us this time. Uh, but we do, uh, to, to make up for it, we brought the heat. We brought in uh, a guest. Uh, that was going to be, um, go ahead and introduce yourself for us. Oh, so I'm Andrew Knuckles, and I'm running for Congress here in Georgia. It's Georgia's 11th district. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm a libertarian socialist, I think. So that's <laughs> different and new and confusing to a lot of people, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember I took, uh, back in the day, I took the eight values test, and it told me that I was a libertarian communist. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. How is that Where possible? Did I take this test. <laughs> and Marcus, this is your district, right? It is my district. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, I'm super interested to see what you've got planned for our district. So, this is right. double exciting for me. Oh, oh, you didn't come out to the protest yesterday? I couldn't. I was at work. And they wow. have me work 10 hours. Right. And. Oh, it's it's awful. Uh, sounds like it. Yeah, which is great because I like we've been looking at your website and you've got lots of plans for economic and workers' rights, which is yeah. very exciting. Yeah, I mean we're always adding new things to it. We're also always um, looking for input too. So if anyone has stuff they want to add, like, and there's always things that I see that I forget, like. But should obviously be on there, like repealing the Taft Hartley Act. It's not on there, Definitely. but I'm I'm gonna do that. Yeah, we were looking earlier, and I think Marcus, you came up, you saw one that we were interested in that we should. I think you said it should be on there. Um, we were talking about the election as a holiday, weren't we? Hell yeah, that's yeah, a great that. idea. Yes, it's freaking a uh, fantastic idea. So that's actually part of a larger thing we want to do because we want to do a lot of participatory budgeting. So basically what would happen is citizens would come up with plans for how a certain system would work or unions might do it. Like, you know, for healthcare, we might have a nursing union might put on a plan. Then you'll come in on that day, election day, ideally. And basically someone will give you a little, you know, they'll try and sell their thing. And then as you'll actually vote on the presentations they give you afterwards. So then there's a, you're actually the one choosing the plan instead of choosing a representative to choose the plan for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's much closer Actually, I think to that's... direct democracy. I'm into that. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a great idea. I mean, that's the that's like the whole thing with being a libertarian socialist it is we want to make the government as small as possible. We want the most direct democracy we can get. 
that will still be functional. Okay. All right. Interesting. And I think that uh, what we saw was, maybe we missed it, so if we have, we apologize, is uh, reinstating uh, voting rights to uh, felons. Um, I'm like 90% sure it's on there, but it's definitely something we're going to do. Oh, obviously. Uh, this is kind of a, a broader principle of ours. It's just when you start making exceptions for things, then that means you you. it's just easier to make another exception. When we say you can't vote because... That's already a slippery slope. You can't vote because you're a felon. And then some guy comes along and he's like, and you also can't vote if... And so it's already set up to deny people votes. So if you have systems like that, it's just easier for people to manipulate and suppress votes. Agreed. And I, I guess the, really the most radical option would be to just like let prisoners vote. Yeah, I mean, there's really no reason for it. Like, what are prisoners going to vote for except to make the things... That put them in jail, you know, legal, so they get out. Like that's the only thing they want to. They're going to decriminalize drugs, and that's not so terrible. Oh yeah, that's in the platform too. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I once knew a guy who said, "Well, you can't let prisoners vote because then they'll just vote for things that will get them out of jail." And I said, "My my response was basically." If you have enough prisoners, they form a voting block that's powerful to move elections. You probably fucked up somewhere. <laughs> you have a, you put a lot of people in jail for no reason. I think. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, if you, if they're like making murder illegal, you've something has gone terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Literally, they're just regular people going to vote for the same things anyone would vote for, except they want. The really crummy stuff that put them in jail to go away. Right. Oh, definitely. I mean, and I do see here that you talked about decriminalizing uh, marijuana. I mean, that's got to be a huge portion of the population in the prison there just by itself. I mean, how many people are in jail for I mean, what I would consider personally to be a bullshit charge? Oh, yeah. Doesn't need to be illegal anymore. And uh, But yeah, so I was just curious, real quick, on sort of a personal note, um, what inspired you to uh, to run? Like, what was your motivation for getting into the uh, political race? So, I was actually asked to run by um, people that actually work in my campaign. Um, most of the people, actually all the people except for me in my campaign are, um, you know, LGBT, specifically a lot of them are trans. So, we're in a really red district and they didn't really feel like putting themselves out there in this kind of way. So I'm actually running as like a mouthpiece for them mm-hmm. so they can get those platforms and policies that are important for them, you know, a voice for that without risking, you know, like, I don't know how much you follow other socialist candidates. I'm sure you've talked to a few, but most of them have gotten death threats. I haven't got any death threats yet. I feel a little left out, but hopefully I'll get some soon. <laughs> That's when you've made it, I, right? Yeah, I've already decided that as soon as I get my first death threat, I'm just going to like reply to the guy. I'm going to be like, this is awesome. Can we set up a selfie opportunity? Because so, you know, I know I'll have made it. I want a photo op. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be real nice. Yeah, I did notice in your platform here you have, uh, and I'm, this is gonna, I'm, I'm about to show my ass here and reveal that I don't know as much as I, as I thought I did. You said you have a uh, GSRM protections. Is that what? You, what does that stand for? I'm not familiar All right, with that. So, GSRM is gender and sexual sexual romantic minorities. Mm-hmm. So it's just a more concise way of saying LGBTQIA plus. Gotcha. 
Mm-hmm. It's just one term that's comprehensive for everything instead of, you know, I mean, we can all say LGBT, but, you know, some people like plus and some people want to be included in the acronym. And so, but the reason we chose it is because people don't know what it is unless it's important to them. Right. right. If yeah. if you are in the LGBT community, you're going to know what GSRM is, and you're going to see that on our platform. But the people that just want to hate on them for no reason are just going to be like, I have no idea what that is. I'm going to skip through that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Learn, learn something new today. Oh, yeah. Definitely going to remember that in the future. Um, I do see here that you've uh, you, you would like to make it possible to designate uh, uh, X as a, a gender on official government documents, and I'm, that sounds pretty good to me. That's I'm, I'm into that. How how did y'all arrive at that position? So this is actually something Germany already does. I think there's a couple <laughs> other countries that do it, but I know specifically Germany. They passed it like two years ago, and so because I mean, again, it's just people. You know, male and female, it's that binary choice, and there's a spectrum of people in between, and they need some kind of, at least some kind of recognition that it's just not M and F. I mean, when people, I mean, like, it seems like it's such a simple thing, but when people get misgendered, it really is, like, painful to them. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 a thing that I think a lot of people are gaining more awareness of in recent years, um, and it's I think it's good. It's important that we we talk about these things and and normalize the, the, the these relationships and these uh, uh people's their, their roles in society because for a long time they've been overlooked. I think. Yeah. If not actively discriminated against. And um, so, yeah, the other thing that we so you say that you've uh, you've sort of been put up for this position, you know, by other people who are more vulnerable than you. That's pretty cool. It's not a story I've heard before. It's that's a new one to us. I'm not sure we've we've covered that before. Um, it's that's exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful that they like chose me essentially to do this for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. I'm really interested in politics myself, but to be able to do it for, like, a good cause makes me feel even better about it. Oh, definitely. Like yeah. a- so, question. You you were talking about um, a rally you were at yesterday. How, how did that go? So, this was my first time ever organizing things. This is my first time ever running for anything. Uh, I mean, obviously, they put me up for this. So, uh, so we, like... We saw that this was happening. This was like right after Iran retaliated. So like this was on like a two day deadline. So I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to try and get this together. We're going to have like five people show up. That'll be cool. Those five people will be awesome. And I'll talk to them. I think we ended up having like 30 people. Uh, I got interviewed by the news. There was, another, nice. there was a news helicopter there from another Whoa. channel. So it actually went really well. We were protesting the Iran war. Uh, or, you know, a war with Iran. There isn't a war. Right. Fingers crossed. That Fingers crossed. Yes. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently nobody does, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I was very curious. We've asked this before recently since it's, uh, it's just come up. The assassination of uh, Qasem Soleimani and the, the heightening of tensions with Iran 
What's your position on that? I mean, I always see people saying we're no one's making the argument that Soleimani's like a bad guy, a good guy. And I guess I'm not going to make that argument, but I am going to say we're doing this on what the CIA is telling us. And I don't know if you remember Iraq. What did they, they told us things about Iraq, which was just not true. Yeah. And so I'm very, and this is a pattern of behavior with the CIA that they make up reasons for us to attack or depose or assassinate foreign leaders. They've been doing this since their inception. And America's been doing it even longer. The CIA is particularly heinous about it. I mean, Iranians don't like us as a whole because we've tried to overthrow their government three times. Yeah. And we've been successful at least once. <laughs> yeah, you, you really can't blame them for feeling the way they do. I mean, it's, it's a pretty normal reaction I think people would have. And I think a lot of times American like education and media doesn't want you to think about that side of things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we would just get in this mindset where, yeah, we keep screwing them over again and again and again, if we just, and like, that was really with the Iran deal. Like, it wasn't a great deal one way or the other, you know. It was okay deal. But the main reason to keep it was that we'd agree to something, and it was just good faith measure. Like, they're not going to do anything if we show them that we want to leave them alone. Like, that's their thing. They're not trying to attack us. Attacking the United States is insane. That's why no one got killed in those bombing strikes. It's because they told the Iraqis, who told us, and everyone left the bases before they got bombed. Yeah, I've heard uh, people say that they were very precisely aimed at specifically empty buildings. Yeah. Because they don't want a war with us because they know how devastating that would be. It would be devastating for us, but I mean, I'm fairly sure after 20 years of being there, we would win somehow. I don't know what our actual objective would be as far as winning, because if we overthrew their government, it would just become Iraq all over again where we have an insurgent force fighting us, which we're not very good at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing is that I mean, I'm I'm not a military uh, uh, expert or anything, but I've heard people who are that fighting Iran would not be as simple. It would not be a steamroll like it was with Iraq. It would be they have a, a lot much more organization and a lot more uh, uh, troops and a lot more uh, equipment, and it would be a, a pretty like a Vietnam level event uh, for us, and it would be pretty bad. So I'm glad I mean- that. Cooler heads in Iran, at least, have prevailed. Yeah, they're definitely very well equipped. I mean, that was the whole... We've been... We sold them missiles, if you... You know, I don't know how old anyone listening is, but the Iran-Contra deal, some people probably remember that. I obviously don't. I'm too young for that. But Ollie North sold them missiles. Like, we've been selling them military technology. They have... They've been buying stuff from the Russians. Like, they're prepared... To at least put up a solid fight against us. Like, they have an air force. We will not just have this complete air superiority and be able to roll in. You mentioned Oliver North. I don't know. Uh, one of the side uh, um, interests of the millennials is that we are also, we play video games. I'm not sure if you're a video game guy at all. Um, I play a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember maybe about eight or so years ago, there was some Call of Duty game that came out, and I was watching a trailer for it, and it, 
who shows up but Oliver North is in this trailer. And I was like, wait, the war criminal is here? What are you doing? War criminal. I mean, basically is, an, uh, or a criminal of uh, no, some stripe. He is a war criminal. That is that is an accurate, it just, yeah, it's, it's just accurate. <laughs> it blew my mind. It was surprisingly accurate. <laughs> it blew my mind that he was there. And I was like, that was one of the times when I was like, first saw like, oh wait, this is actually bad. These video games kind of suck actually for, for politics anyways. And uh, still blows my mind that he is at all sort of allowed to go on TV and, and talk and, and not in jail for what he did. Well, my my favorite thing though about this is American Dad did a parody of Schoolhouse Rock about the Iran Contra deal. It, wow, it's the best. So wow, I have not seen that. You should go look it up because it's great. <laughs> oh. Oh god, I will. <laughs> but uh, this is um, actually something that's like specifically in my platform about like he is a war criminal, and this is the reason basically we don't listen to the International Court of Justice because they they said things that meant we were the bad guys, so we're just not going to participate in the ICJ. Yeah, I saw some take going on around recently saying that America's era as global hegemon, we were uh, we we installed order around the world and we also abided by it. And I was just like, I, ch- I was choking on my own spit looking at this take. It was insane. No, we have we've continued the Cold War long after it's ended. That's all we've really done. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I also like that you have here in your platform. You just you just straight up say we believe in abolishing ICE, and I'm I'm down for that. Oh, that's because we believe in getting basically. We want to almost abolish the border if we could. The only thing we're we're gonna just basically have open immigration like we did with Ellis Island. That's what we should do. We have a giant statue saying that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We love that we're the land of the free and we're a mixing pot, and but we don't actually do any of that anymore, and it's ridiculous. So, I mean, our plan would be like, you get that background check to make sure you're not a criminal. And then you can get your um, visa to live here, your permanent residency visa. I'm into that. Wow. And how long would, would that system take? Less than five years? So the thing I'm thinking with, if so if we were to just give people permanent residency visas as they came, it would be probably, it'd still be a fairly long amount of time by default before you could become a citizen. But if you want to go live somewhere where it's, like, depopulated, like, you know, Kansas. I used to live in Kansas for a little bit. And it's like, you have all these really nice towns that were built when they were, like, the cattle trail. And so, when it was actually populous there. But they're all, like, half empty now. So, there's, like, plenty of housing there. There's plenty of land out there. So, if people want to come live in these depopulated areas, then we'll, like, reduce down the time. That it takes for them. Like those year, oh. years living in Kansas will double count, basically. Okay. So kind of like the the way we have it for like uh, skilled, yeah, air quotes, skilled labor coming in. Like doctors that go to, to like uh, rural areas, underserved areas can get citizenship much faster. Yeah, it would be much like that. And I do want to note, like, I know there aren't, like, there's a big struggle with jobs out there because... The population so low that companies don't want to, you know, have a f- 
factory in there or something because the transportation costs are just astronomical. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that would be part of our overall infrastructure build. Like, we want to build interstate rail. So we would be, if those people go live out there, we're going to find jobs for them to do. You know, it might be harnessing the wind power that's out in the plains. There's no trees. It's always windy in Kansas. There's a lot of wind power there. Okay. So. Well, I love hearing about infrastructure because we are we are a pro-train podcast, a pro-bus podcast yes. over here. God, I I really, really want to ride the freaking train to work, but it's so far from where I live. And I'm just like, Ugh. I think we'll get the mortar expansion passed this year, though. Ooh, I think right. that's going to happen. Because I don't, if you've looked at the the voting pattern for the 11th specifically, so that'd be, you know, Marietta and KSU, that it has, it has swapped recently to being blue. So the district makes up like, there's parts of four counties, but that one's now blue. And that was really kind of, I think Cobb was kind of the block for a lot of it. Okay. Excellent. That's, that's great to hear. Yeah, I love the Marta. Uh, the times I've been up in Atlanta, it's been it's been fun. I like riding it. <laughs> Listen, I know I'm weird, but I love mass transit. I mean, it's because you don't have to live with it, though. Because okay, so in Atlanta, for people that don't know, our mass transit system—if you can even call it that—is a rail line that goes east-west and a rail line that goes north-south. And that is it. There you go. That's freaking it. <laughs> oh, no, no. It has one. Okay, the north side thing has a little branch. Like, that's it. It's mm-hmm. one other little branch, but that's it. It yeah. doesn't go anywhere, really. It just go, It just is a funnel to the airport. Yeah. Basically. Which, like, because I lived in, freak, what's Conyers. I lived in Conyers. Okay. And I had to drive... 30 minutes to get to the nearest like train station so I can w- get to my job at the airport. And I was just like, this is insane. Cause I got to pay for the upkeep of that car. Also the, the train pass, the train pass was fine. Like I got the one, what was it? it I let, I could ride all month. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was great. But the car expenses were killing me. Plus the auto insurance. I was like, this is not sustainable. <laughs> I don't know. I would like that's one thing that really bothers me about Marta. And like in my plan, it's just gonna be fare free. Like there's no reason. Like people aren't gonna use it as much as they would if they didn't have to pay for it. And like the whole point of mass transit is to alleviate our traffic problems. And mm. another fun fact about Atlanta here, we have like three interstates that intersect at one point in downtown Atlanta and there are just like 50 foot concrete walls on either side of those interstates so there's no possible way we could expand that ever like it would be so costly so expensive the only real solution for us here is uh, a, a train on its own gradient alright okay. Qu- quick question so if you're going to expand the rail system and the train's going to be free how are you going to pay for like upkeep and repairs and things like that? I mean, so it's the same kind of way we do things now, right? We take taxes. I mean, the gas tax is the primary thing now that pays for the road. It's supposed to pay for the roads, but it doesn't. That's a whole mm-hmm. other 
issue because no one will ever raise the gas tax because it's wildly unpopular when gas gets expensive. But yeah. that, that's why our infrastructure is crumbling. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like rambling. I'm but, no, you're not wrong. This, these are the things we want to know about. <laughs> Absolutely. Like. But yeah, so so we just have a system in place like that where you're paying some kind of tax. It might be a small, you know, like it'll be comparable to the gas taxes. And that will be what pays for the um, the rail system. I mean, it's just going to be like the roads. We're gonna we're gonna do a whole thing like Eisenhower built the interstate system as a defense grid. I don't don't know if you know this, but like every so far in the interstate system, you're actually supposed to be able to land like I think it's like a flying fortress, like a B. Oh, I believe so. Yeah. 50, yeah. And so that's how they're actually designed. So it's like you can. Get troops to places really quick. You can land planes on them. That's the point. So we're going to do something like that where the train is for defensive purposes because the military's come out and said that global warming is like the number one threat to America. So, that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So we can actually use our military budget for something productive instead of going to war with Iran. Yeah, that's a great idea. That'd be nice. Plus, doesn't... Doesn't the military have just like the highest budget ever? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, they just voted to give them what seven hundred billion more dollars. I don't know. Oh, it's man. insane. It's God. way too much for. I mean, when you think about yeah. when, when you think about the fact that most of the people we we call our enemies are enemies because we said they're our enemies <laughs> and we we made them that way. Uh, Spend a lot of money for nothing, to be honest. Yeah. It's, uh... and, but yes, I'm like we like said, mass transit. We love it. We're we're always happy because where I live down in the uh, Statesboro area, we have no. There's no mass transit here. There's a bus that the college operates, and that's it. Oof. And it goes between the college and the downtown sort of like shopping district, and that is, and it only runs like three days out of the week. So, other than Greyhounds, mm. there's nothing, and it's just. And you think about the amount of of CO two being put into the air from all these cars you have to drive. And the fact that cars are essentially an invisible tax on people in rural areas. You gotta have a car to get to your job. You gotta drive because that's the way the system is. And it's just like they don't call it a tax, but it pretty much is. I mean, yeah, the Supreme Court actually said that having a car is pretty much a necessity in America, and that was. It's crazy that we're not guaranteeing, you know, some kind of transportation for people. Like we want the interstate. I mean, the interstate rail, because that's just going to increase mobility, which that means more people are going to be able to make it to jobs. Like, you're not going to be working at McDonald's when you can get a much nicer job on the train in the city. And people are going to make day trips to places, so you're going to get tourism. So it feeds both ways. People are going to come from the city to the rural area because they want to sightsee or shop or just spend a day out of the city. And people are going to come to the city to work. So... I think we're going to get a lot of use out of it. And I mean, the whole point of this is that it is going to reduce greenhouse gases. It's going to reduce pollution. So we're going to have cleaner air. That's the real trade-off. We can have all these cars. We can have crazy traffic that annoys everyone, especially if you live in Atlanta. Our traffic is terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah, I, I'm 15 minutes like from my job, but thanks to good old Atlanta traffic, it takes me about half an hour to get there. <laughs> yeah. There's, thanks, Atlanta. 
there's always traffic in downtown Atlanta. Like, it doesn't matter what time you go. I've had traffic down there, you know, like 3 a.m. And it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, frequent uh, interruption to our podcast, actually, is hearing someone passing by Marcus's home. It's just an extremely loud (laughs) engine. Just come straight through the mic. I apologize. I'm I'm working on some soundproofing. (laughs) Putting egg cartons up on the windows. Listen, don't don't out my plans, man. <laughs> well, I, I also see here that you have the most radical, I think, plan I've seen so far for minimum wage, which is that it will eventually increase to uh, $25 an hour, which is necessary, I think, but definitely above everyone else. Yeah, so it actually really annoys me that most people are saying 15 because if we look at increase of worker productivity and we look at increase due to inflation the amount we should be at right now is 23 dollars an hour so saying 15 is almost shorting us 10 dollars an hour but the Mm -hmm. really critical thing on this is you see a lot of cities that are adopting this like 15 dollar minimum wage like really quickly and that's a bad idea because the whole idea of why we would be being paid 23 dollars an hour right now is that if in the 70s when we you know i think that's when we the last time we increased the minimum wage if we had increased the minimum wage then companies would have been investing in automation and so they haven't done that because our labor has been so cheap and so when we just tell them okay now you're paying us 25 dollars an hour a lot of especially small businesses can't afford that kind of thing Mm mm-hmm so that's why there has to be some kind of transitional period. So that's why I'm saying 25 and an increase with, with productivity and interest. Right. Because that buys a little time to transition to it. Okay. So that's the real key thing, that there has to be some kind of period where we're bumping it up, you know, a dollar fifty cents each year until we get to where we need to be at. Which would be, I think, transformative for people's lives. Yeah. Because folks yes. are hurting. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. You can't get think, by on seven twenty-five an hour. It's just not going to work. Yeah, it's oh, and the, the other thing is like the jobs that are paying minimum wage are the worst kinds of jobs, really. I mean, maybe someone loves their McDonald cashier job, but to me, it seems like it would be mind numb mm. after a certain bit. I mean, right now I'm loading trucks, and that's pretty. That's pretty great. I can't, you know, like. I went to Georgia Tech. I have a degree in physics and math, and I'm working on my master's degree, and I load trucks. Damn. Oh, my God. Well, Marcus, you you know, you worked for Amazon for a while there. I did work for Amazon for a while. I mean, on on the surface, everything sounds great, but, you know, once you get in there, start working. Because I actually worked at Amazon for a total of seven months. About six and a half of those months was me on the inbound. You know, you bring in the pallets, you divide them, right? You wrap them up, they they store them. Okay. <laughs> they switched me over to stowing, where you know you take this is this is for the loose items. You take your loose items, you put them in a specific place. <laughs> I did that for two weeks. Until they fired me, Whoa. because they fired me because of, of course you have a rain with a job like this. 
So I stowed about, what, 1,000-something items, but I got 10 wrong. And that was it. I was like, hey, that's that's awful, man. Just get out of here. Seven months of work. Gone in two weeks. (sighs) I mean... I'm like a real... Stabbing them back from capitalism. No, nah. even think about that though, right? Like you got so you were just manually like reading them off, right, and stowing them places. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those things have barcodes on them, and they don't give you a barcode scanner because they don't want to pay for you to have a barcode scanner, which is ridiculous. Because then you would make no mistakes. Because the thing would just scan yes, no, you know, it'd beep one way. Because they have them where I work, but they don't give them to us. Occasionally, we got to use them for like we. There's like a specific thing we need to use them for, but they don't just give them to us so we don't make mistakes. And I, I feel like, like, why? Why do they make it this way? Like, they say they hate the misloads, getting them incorrect, but they just don't want to do anything to make things easier or better for their workers. And it's just crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see here that you got, you got full support for unions. That's always good to see. Oh, yeah. We, uh, yes. I mean, like I said, like I said at the beginning, I want to get rid of the Taft-Hartley Act, which is actually now the Labor Management Relations Act or something. They updated it. Yeah. Because, you know, the original one said communism was illegal and that was unconstitutional. Mhm. Yay, that constitutionally guaranteed right to be a communist. Have you ever had worked <laughs> like applied for a job and had the question on the application, are you now or have you ever been a member of an organization with the stated goal of the overthrow of the United States government? I think that you have to be asked that for any government job. Because oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I'm pretty sure that was on the application for when I for when I was a teacher. So um. I think that's just a standard thing they kind of ask, which it's weird that. They ask this because who's going to say yes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, 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 that's that's a consequence of the anti-communist movement. Was they, they people believe that right. communists all have the same goal of overthrowing the government? Which I guess I mean technically, but you got to be all violent about it, I guess, if you don't want to. Uh, exactly. We can vote again. Who's but who's answering yes? Like that would be. I'd love to see that application. I, I wonder if anyone has answered yes. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> they just denied outright. Put it back in the well, pile. I mean, I'm pretty sure you know Eugene Debs, but other than that, I don't have a great example. <laughs> Eugene Debs ripped to a real one. I also see here that you want to implement a uh, system where the government is the employer of last resort, and I gotta say that's that's a big thumbs up for me. I love that idea. Yeah, I I don't know why this isn't a thing. Like, because I mean, Republicans' their critique of any kind of welfare system is like, why should the like, why should they get this if they're not working or whatever, you know? Like, especially when I talk about, I talk to people about Medicare for all, they're like, well, if you just tied it to a job, then we'd be fine with it, right? Like, so if we just gave Medicare for all for everyone who had a job, then they'd be be 100% okay with it. But the thing is, not everyone can get a job. Getting a job is difficult, (laughs) especially getting a good job. Exactly. But, I mean, we have... Plenty of infrastructure work to do. There's going to be a rail system. We probably want to update our internet. 
That's another thing. Just get rid of the oh, internet God, companies. Yes. Definitely. I, we actually want to do municipal-based internet, so your actual local government will be the one that controls your internet, and so you can go vote on this. Whether you guys want to spend more at a local level to put down new wires to get faster internet, or what the average Thank everyone you. should be. And it's just like, why? Everyone, everyone basically needs the internet now. It's basically a new utility that you kind of have to have. You have your water, your electricity, your gas, and your internet now. Yeah, yeah. It's so and much to the internet. You've got to have it for so many things. Yeah, and the thing is, utilities like that, I mean, people can complain about Comcast or whatever company you have. They're all garbage because they're all local monopolies. That they are monopolies, and but they're like, what is the word that allows... This is like, they're spe- a special time, a natural monopoly. Mm-hmm. That's why they're allowed to exist, because it only really makes sense for one company to lay down the wires. Right. And yeah. so, if something is a natural monopoly, why is it not being directly managed by citizens and workers and people? Like, why is someone making a profit off of something we all need to share and only one person can do? Like, wouldn't it just be better to give everyone cheaper internet and cheaper water and cheaper electricity? Sure would. So, uh, to go back just a second, um, you were talking about the, the, we were talking about the uh, idea of having everyone having a job. So I guess that you would subscribe more to a full employment model than to a UBI model? Oh, okay. So, I don't necessarily, I mean, like, some people are disabled and, you know, they're not going to be able to work regardless. Of course. The, the government acting as an employer of last resort is for those people that have been struggling to find jobs, that haven't been able to find jobs, but need to you know, still support their family in some way, or they want something to do for their own self-esteem. Like, even if you, you know, are in a wheelchair, you still don't necessarily want to just sit all day, right? You want to get out places, and you want to go do things, and if you can't find a job that will accommodate you, then that really limits your options on what you can go do. So as far as UBI versus other systems, I don't know. I mean, I'm iffy on UBI. I'm not against UBI, I would per se, but I'm just like, why are we giving people a UBI? What are the things people are going to spend their UBI on? Yeah, it seems like I it mean, should be a handout back to the corporations, essentially, that already well, control the big your thing, life. The big thing with UBIs is you're generally not allowed to loan against your UBI amount. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, and that needs to be that way, because things like Tidal Pond, just, like, you get in a vicious cycle of some kind of loan, and your UBI is gone every month to something forever. Right? Right. So you wouldn't be able to buy a house with your UBI. Mm -hmm. Right? You can't get a mortgage based on that UBI income. So most of that UBI income is actually going to be for rent Yes. in that case. So mm-hmm. that means that money is just going back to people who build big apartment complexes, those big corporations. Like the thing, one of the big things you can do to reduce poverty is increase home ownership rates. Like if everyone owns a home and you're, so because you're, you're building equity, you're not throwing out money on rent every month, right? So eventually you'll actually have something to your name. You'll have a positive net worth after you've paid off that house. So then you'll be able to 
I mean, we're talking about the difference of if your parents owned your home, own a home, right? When you turn 18, if you can stay at that home for a while and save up money, that's great. So we're talking about dividends that pay off over generations, right? Okay. Once you, once you, there's home ownership. That's a big step to reducing poverty. I agree. But if you just keep renting, you're just basically throwing out that money every month because you have to have a house. Right, I mean, you're not going to go live outside. A lot of places you're going to freeze to death. Here in Atlanta, you might get heat stroke and die. <clears throat> so we can we can mark you down as not being a, a Yang Gang. Well, okay. So the whole thing is, I'm just like, well, what are the, so the things that people are going to spend their UBI on are going to be housing, food, utilities, healthcare. Right mm-hmm. now, everyone mm-hmm. who's already got all those things, we don't need to be giving them a thousand dollars a month, anyways. If you want to talk about wasteful government spending, like even you know, we're giving a thousand dollars a month to Bill Gates under Yang's plan, <laughs> he doesn't need it. Uh, I just imagine a picture of that dude in the swimming pool with the bottle of water. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. But, um. So yeah, that's I mean, I mean yeah, I agree. So we'd rather that's why our platform is housing guarantees, food guarantees, healthcare guarantees because it's just better to give people the things they need to survive and live and then we can talk about working cuz like to give someone like a place to sleep and that's not going to actually it's not going to cost that much money. I mean, other countries have managed to do this where they've had housing guarantees and we are way more wealthy than they are we should definitely be able to do this ourselves and you'll even see that places that have done it here in the states have saved money because you don't have all these other associated costs with homeless and transient populations you know like them you know having to go to the emergency room and they can't afford it so that gets passed on to everyone else that's why that's a part of why healthcare costs are expensive here is because people that don't have insurance and desperately like need emergency care, well, they can't pay that, and I guess you're paying that essentially when you go. So yeah, uh, that's a good thing. You talked Medicare for all earlier. What is your sort of uh, uh, position on uh, on healthcare? All right, so that's back to that whole thing when you make a plan that has exceptions, mm-hmm. people start using that as a reason to get rid of things. So, I mean, we're probably down with Bernie's plan, but we're probably want to be even more comprehensive than him. Ideally, if I could just hundred percent write the bill, get everyone to pass it, what it would be is basically I would take it to nursing unions. I'd be like, what are the things we need to cover for sure? And I would really push for basically we want to cover anything that could be considered a legitimate medical treatment. Right. If we get three doctors in a room together to all say that this is a legitimate medical treatment, right, then you get that covered because it's just healthcare. You need it. Like the argument I always make up against the private insurance companies are what does a private insurance and company produce? What do they make? <laughs> I mean, technically they just, they're just they're middlemen between us and the uh, the doctors and, and Exactly. The they're middlemen. We don't need middlemen. That's the whole point of middlemen is that they're just taking something 
They're just taking money and doing nothing with it. Like, they make money when we don't get healthcare. That's exactly the opposite of the system we want. The people that are supposed to provide us with healthcare only make money when we don't get healthcare. Mm-hmm. That's com- why, why would you have a system like that? That's cruel. I mean, it's just insane. It's the exact opposite of how it should be that we want you to get healthcare when you need it. And, like, a big thing is we can, like, that's why you always get, um, so basically any insurance company, they'll offer you a free fiscal every year. And that's because giving you some kind of preventative care, it saves the money in the future because you don't have to get healthcare. But, like, and then that's the other thing. Like, private insurance doesn't cover a lot of things you would think were, like, essential, essential. Like, they don't, it doesn't cover, like, prosthetic limbs. As an amputee myself, I, I trust me, I've had my battles over this. Oh, yes. I used to work for a prosthetics company as well, and that is, that boy, that's a business that could use some, some government oversight, for sure. I mean... It's just like, but how, how, who decided that that wasn't necessary? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. because I mean, you lose your leg or whatever, your option's a wheelchair or prosthetics. And either way, I mean, even the wheelchairs are hard to get. Oh, yeah. Just to get like approval for that. So it's like, what do they want you to do in that case? Like, I just don't understand it. Yeah, from experience, you would think a wheelchair would be a thing that would be relatively inexpensive, and they are not. They are extremely expensive, actually. <laughs> Even the most basic wheelchair, I, I remember we used to sell those for $700. Yeah. 700 Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. And we're talking... Because I broke my leg once, and to get a walker cost me, like, what was it? Like, 80 bucks, which was insane like a walker should not cost that much and neither should a freaking wheelchair like what is going on here but we're also talking that's your like bare bones model wheelchair which isn't very comfortable it probably hasn't been adjusted to you all sorts of mess like this where it's just like yeah it's a chair that rolls and that's about it yeah, it, it has no bells and whistles. There's no there's no like customization for you. It's and the cost of it is is crazy. And I have friends overseas who talk about their healthcare, like in uh, uh, the UK and, and places like that. And they say that I told them about the cost of a, wheel, a wheelchair one time, and they just they were gobsmacked. They could not believe how much it cost to get a basic wheelchair, uh, which are apparently just provided uh, at least in the UK for now. We'll see how that how that goes. Oh. <laughs> that could that could turn around, but uh, for the moment, apparently the hospital just just provides you the wheelchair over there. I mean, sounds great, and that just one hundred percent makes sense. It's just like so they just want you to crawl out of here, or is Uber going to now deliver wheelchairs to hospitals? Like, what is what is the oh, what is the free market solution <laughs> to this problem? <laughs> They'll come up with something. Sheesh. They have Amazon wheelchairs. Yeah, Amazon Next Day Air just. Bringing you wheelchairs, <laughs> drones with wheelchairs. Yep, yep, yep. That'd be what it is, and it could be like it could be like rent a wheelchair through an app. We have an app just for wheelchairs. Oh, it'll be it'll be, be W L C R or something like that. I mean, my other favorite thing that they don't cover is eyes. Mm. 
if, if you, yeah. If you, who needs to see? Yeah, exactly. If you're going blind, well, have fun with that. Basically, I'm just mm-hmm. like that's it's so crazy to me that again, like I said, like Republicans are just all on board with this if you just tie it to a job. But there's so much that they're refusing to give that when people don't get coverage for the eyes, when they don't get coverage for the wheelchair, that makes it so much harder for them to work. Definitely, yeah. I mean, yep. it impacts uh, every aspect of your life. And so, I mean, that's and so that's where I'm at. It's just like there are all sorts of medical problems people have. There's all sorts of things that prevent them from working. But a lack of medical care shouldn't be it. Like, if we don't know how to solve your problem, that's one thing. But if you're just not being provided with care because it costs too much, that is just a ridiculous argument. I mean, because we're talking about a lifetime of someone's productivity, right? Mm-hmm. You're cutting that short. Whereas I can't imagine to make a wheelchair, it takes more than a week. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. There's, there's probably some place just cranking them out yeah. constantly. Yeah, and I know for me, my, my pet peeve uh, personally was that dental stuff is not covered in a lot of cases. And yeah. People often say, "Oh, dent, like dent, like teeth are just cosmetic or something like that," and it's like, no, they are not. Excuse me. <laughs> and they are also located. In case people don't know this about their listeners, in case you're not aware, your teeth are very close to your brain, and infections mm-hmm. and those things can literally kill you. Yeah, like a toothache can be life threatening. Yeah, when you don't have freaking health care. Yeah. I know folks who just put Origel on it and go out their day because they can't afford to go to the, the, the dentist, and that that can turn into a life threatening infection in your in your head. And then the idea that dental care is like I pay for it separately from my normal health care, the fact that yeah. that's even how it is is just crazy to me. Yeah, it's, it's like they've come up with this nonsense a thing of specialty body parts like. It's not like I had extra teeth installed or something. Mm-hmm. These are the same teeth everyone has. And that's just, this isn't something like irregular. This is just the base medical care that everyone needs. And you have to have it to basically to survive. Yes. Unless you're going to turn into a, a soylent drinking drone. Mm. Free market finds a way. Oh man, there's this. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know who she is, but she she was involved in uh, Occupy Wall Street. You ever heard of Justine Tunney? Uh, that sounds familiar. But or, I... Works for Google now, I believe. Okay. She had like this proposal where it was like eliminate uh, food stamps and instead just give uh, soylent rations to poor people. Hmm. That was <laughs> infuriated me. This is kind of like an anecdotal thing, but like I play a lot of tabletop role playing games. Same here, yeah. And so, uh, so I ran like a sci-fi game, and basically they needed some kind of like nutrition, like to keep their characters alive, right? Mm-hmm. So I just had fungal nutritional paste. Not once did any character eat fungal nutritional paste. <laughs> it was free, but they would spend their money to get something else because no one would ever eat it. <laughs> Hey, I mean, there's a there's like human, human. It's like decent. You gotta, you gotta have some kind of dignity in this life, even in your your imaginary life. <laughs> Apparently, but I'm just saying, like, do we like? You think that's a better idea? 
Well, there's all lots of problems with food stamps. Like food stamps don't let you get pre-cooked food, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Like you, you can't go into Kroger and get a rotisserie chicken. Nope. But, what? Yeah, because that's it's pre-cooked. There's no reason for that, really, except for just cruelty. Yeah, and it's just like so. You'd just be happier if they just had cruel. It's not like chicken's expensive here. Yeah, you know. Right. It's everywhere. So I just, it just. It's crazy to me that they can't go in and get that food. Like, you just want to make it as miserable as possible so people don't want to use it, which is insane to me. It's just like, they need food. Do you not want this thing to exist for when you might need food? Do you not... You just think... you Like, the indifference of it all, it just baffles me how they just do not care about the human suffering. And what's worse is they'll probably just throw that same chicken out if they don't sell it. Like... Oh yeah, food yeah. waste is insane in this country. <sighs> but what blows my mind is, so y'all, do y'all remember Paul Ryan? Yeah. You know, Paul Ryan grew up on food stamps. Oh, wow. He, he was, I think, well, it was a single mother uh, situation, and she had him on food stamps, and he grew up to be a guy who wanted to get rid of them, and it just blows my wow. mind. He's, he's completely clueless. His favorite band is Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> 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 for for people that don't know, Rage Against the Machine are basically anarchists. Yep. The the lead singer, I think it is, has a, a degree in political science from Harvard. Yeah, they're they're a very anti capitalist band, and the fact that he can't make that connection just <laughs> he can't fathom that he's the machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so I did want to talk real quick. One more thing that we sort of like hit on in your in your platform that really interested us is uh, is gun rights, because on the left you generally have to or you hear mostly sort of people who want to disarm, who want to you know have gun control. And I mean I support gun control for the police, but I appreciate that you have a different take on it. Yeah, I mean, first off. That's that's a big reason, like we think our campaign will be more successful here because we're in a very red district. Is that because we're not pushing this idea that guns should just be straight on ban? The thing that I always like to compare it to is guns are as dangerous as a car. This is pretty much if you look at attacks in Europe that use trucks and cars, they kill roughly the same amount of people as are killed with guns. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fair standard is just you need a license for a car and you need to prove you're proficient in driving that car. And then after that, you can just drive any car you want, basically. And it should be the same yeah. thing with a gun. You That's, pass that sounds fair. <laughs> your initial test to get your license to, for a gun and then you can just get guns because you've proven that you're a safe, you know, responsible citizen. That with it, and then I think another big important thing would be subsidizing things like gun safes because I mean we're talking about these school shootings, and we're talking about banning guns, mm-hmm. but these school shooters are not allowed to have guns because they're not old enough to purchase guns. Right. So they're yeah. getting them. They're getting them illegally, whether that's they're getting them from their parents or someone else, but they are getting them illegally already. Yeah, and it's I, just, I, I, I I like that you that you in your platform here you call out that 
the, the actual guns are not the problem. It's it's the social uh, problem. It's, it's our so- society, essentially. I hate to say it, you know, live in a society guy or whatever. <laughs> but it's true. It's it's true that that's really what the problem is. People are, uh, as you say here, alienated, and that's causing people to act out in ways that are violent. And we have to address that. If you just get rid of the guns, they'll stab people. They'll find another way. And so it's it, like you like you say here. It's a bigger issue, and I appreciate that that's that's addressed. Yeah, and especially, I mean, that's a massive deficit in our current healthcare system. Is that mental health care is often not covered by things, and if people could get that mental health care. There would be less shootings. That's just straight up true. There's counseling for people, people intervening in those people's lives, making sure whatever is going to eventually drive them to these issues doesn't, you know, is stopped, then we'll see less shootings. That's really the way to go about it. We need mental health care. and That's our real solution. And I would also say we do need to do something about, like, I mean, I feel like the pace of shootings has really picked up recently. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because they, I mean, we have the internet now. I know that's a big component of it, but, and everyone's talking about it. And I think that's a kind of a problem because you, these people think they're like, you know, doing God's work when they go shoot up someplace for the most part. I don't, I don't know of a single shooter that doesn't think they're doing God's work of, I haven't read all their manifestos. I don't make it a habit. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shut up with that. Uh, yeah. So there's something going on that's making them like, yeah, they think they're doing this great work. And when they get all on the news, that's a good thing to them, and it's a good thing to the people that could be that have these issues that are going to drive them to do this kind of thing. They're saying that you're doing God's work, and now you're everyone knows your name, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting this kind of celebrity from it. And, but this is just more a general like personal thing. Is we're basically just putting their names out there, and now this is out about them, and this is for any crime that it's just. I mean, I think that kind of goes against our a core American value, which is innocent until proven guilty, too. Like, obviously, we know they did it, but they didn't have a trial. But we're just saying these are the people that did it. We're spreading their name out there. And people are going to go read that manifesto now that that person's been on the news. And I think that's somewhat of a problem. We have to have some way of addressing these shootings that doesn't glorify the shooters to other potential shooters. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that's great. I'll, I like everything I've heard so far. Uh, Marcus, you got any, uh, final thoughts or questions? Oh, uh, no. Like we had a pretty, pretty good discussion, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. anything else you want to say? Well, real quick before we go, actually, how can folks help out if they want to? With your all campaign? right. So, all right. So the number one thing on like the first thing on my platform is actually government and electoral reform. And so the big issue we're facing right now is we need $5,000 to get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. You have to pay money so people can vote for you for some reason. Wow. I don't understand how anyone thinks this is. we live in a democracy when you have to pay money, a lot of money. That's $5,000 is not a small chunk of change. 
to get on a ballot. So the number one way people can help us really is to donate or spread the word. Because the more people that see, the more donations we'll get. Because if we don't get the five thousand two hundred twenty dollars, we're not going to get on the ballot. Uh, we can do signatures here, but that's very dubious. Uh, if you want to know about the power of how you can get elected by, you know, getting challenging people's um, signatures that they got so they didn't have to pay, uh, there's a nice interview where Obama brags about doing this, and that's how he won his Senate seat. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That he prevented people from getting on the ballot by challenging their signatures so that he would be more likely to win, which is completely despicable. Pretty underhanded, yeah. So donate, uh, always good. Uh, Adam Marcus, you're in the area. So if people people who listen, because a lot of our listeners are, we have two listener bases. They're in Argentina and Georgia. So it's about (laughs) roughly half and half on that one. We will buy it. <laughs> All right. So people that want to get involved, um, I mean, our website has links to, I believe, our Discord and our Twitter. Um, yeah, we get in contact. I mean, if you contact us, we will hit you back up. We're, I, we respond to, like, everyone that donates us. We're, so we're pretty on top of things. We're going to do more events. Like I said, I just organized the protest for War with Iran. And we're going to do more stuff like that. I always need people to go with me to places, too. That's just, like, a general (laughs) thing. Because it just looks better when you have, like, someone with you. And you're not just showing up alone to events and things. But we're going to do canvassing, too. That's a big thing. So if you want to go knock on doors, get try and get signatures. Like, we're definitely going to try and get the signatures. I don't want to pay the Democratic Party $5,000. Right. Who would? Exactly. <laughs> At this point. Okay, cool. So donate, knock on doors if people are local. That's great. Um, anything else you want to say before, uh, before we sign off here? No, just thank you so much for having me. It no problem. really fun. Thank you for coming on. We're yeah. always happy to have guests. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, everybody out there. Um, oh, real quick. Uh, if folks want to like follow you on Twitter, what's that, uh, what's that handle? Uh, it should be at vote knuckles. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, everybody out there, this has been the Lino's podcast. I'm Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MC surf. Um, Marcus, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Beaches and, and I do the art for this podcast. All right. So, uh, we will, since Seth is not here, we will not do our, our rest of our sign off. So it wouldn't be the same without him. <laughs> And uh, everyone out there, take it easy. Asher, thanks for coming on and talking to us. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. If you ever want to come back, just let us know. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.